Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face. and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. We thank the good Lord for allowing us to be part of this ministry. We pray that he will be with you and us tonight as we compare and contrast Mormonism with Biblical Christianity. Friday nights, 8 p.m., right here on TV 20, tune in as Bishop Earl, one-time Latter-day Saint Bishop, now born-again Christian, interviews people who were once LDS and are now born-again Christians, the name of the show, The X-Files. If you want to be interviewed, email bishoperl at www.xmormonfiles.tv. I just returned from speaking in Arizona, Northern California, and uh, many people there are aware of The X-Files, watch the program. So X-Files, Friday nights, 8 p.m., right here on TV 20. Want to learn the Word of God? Come join us on Sundays at the University of Utah, either at 10 o'clock or at 2.30, where we uh, open up the Word of God and study it verse by verse. You can go to www.campus, C-A-M-P-U-S with hyphens in between, dot com for more information. In between those gatherings, AM820, The Truth, replays Heart of the Matter on their station on Sundays from 1 to 2 p.m. AM820, The Truth is a Christian radio station here in Utah. Tune in, check them out. Have you made plans to join us at Murray Park Amphitheater on Saturday, September 1st? I hope so. If not, please do. Uh, from 3 p.m. to dusk, we're going to gather there for all sorts of fun and fellowship. But we think the highlight will be uh, a number of things. We're going to have some great entertainment I'll tell you about. And uh, uh, the first statewide communion service I think that's ever happened in the state of Utah uh, for people to come from all denominations and uh, uh, experience koinonia, uh, communion together, and then we're going to go straight to the open water baptisms. Uh, we've been trying to establish a battle for the best worship band, but uh, we're going to cancel that because of lack of participation. But that doesn't mean we don't have a backup plan that's probably even better. So we're still going to have lots of products. We're going to have uh, snow cone machines. We're going to have Subway at a great price. We're going to have bags of... Uh, whatever, and uh, <laughs> we're going to have a dunk tank so you can dunk your loved ones and uh, a bounce house for kids, uh, and then we're going to have a special appearance from Paul Wright. He's a singer-songwriter who appeared in the Christian rock opera Hero and performed uh, on To Save a Life. It should be a, a great music, plus we'll have a few other musical acts to warm him up, and then we're going to quiet things down, worship the Lord, partake in that uh, never denominational communion service together and then we will go to the uh, waters of baptism and it should, should just be a great time Saturday September 1st Murray Park Amphitheater 3 p.m. to like dusk 3 p.m. to 7:30, 8 come one come all uh, can we have our model out here please we have a, we've hired a model here from Ford modeling agency and and uh, please come closer act like you like me this is our model this is Kelsey. She is modeling the shirt that will be available at the Burning Heart festivities. Yes, she saw it here on Heart of the Matter and Joseph's Myth. And she, that is, it looks great on her. It won't look as good on you, but you'll get close. So uh, you'll be able to get this at the Burning Heart, September 1st, uh, Saturday. Thank you so much. Beautiful job. All right, since I'm shamelessly marketing products right now, uh, we are ending up in August, and if you want to take advantage of the last few weeks of the summer sales extravaganza, you can get, in his words, version one. By the way, we are going to be offering set two 
in his words, volume two at Burning Heart, but you can still get volume one. You can get A Mormon President, the docudrama, which is excellent. You can get If My Kingdom Were of This World, Then My Servants Would Fight. You can get I Was a Born Again Mormon, Moving Toward Christian Authenticity, and you can get our latest volume, Where Mormonism Meets Biblical Christianity Face-to-Face, -face, Hardback, all for a price of $50, retail value for all of it, at least $100, and we will throw in one of the very coveted Joseph Smith laptop stickers for your enjoyment. Also at Burning Heart, we're going to give away the first 500 families a Joseph Smith and uh, laptop sticker. Now, just to give you a little taste of Paul Wright, take a look at this. He's quite an act. That was an amazing performance. <laughs> um, he's really good, and so uh, you should come, and I think it will help with the whole ambiance. Um, listen, Greg Laurie, Harvest America, is going to be aired live here on AM uh, TV 20, KTMW TV 20, from 5 to 7 p.m. Sunday night, August 26th. Now, this is for people who can't get out of the house. You might be busy. You might be bedridden. You might be uh, incapable of getting out. So we're going to bring K uh, Greg Laurie's uh, Harvest Fest right to you. But if you can get out of the house, they're doing it at many Christian churches. They're even doing it at homes. We have some uh, viewers. We love these guys. They're going to be hosting it in their home. So we're going to give the information in Eagle Mountain of how you can tap in and go see them. So it's a private home screening at 3621 Nairn, Nairn Drive, Eagle Mountain, Utah, uh, Sunday, August 26th. Be there at 4.45 p.m. Please RSVP if you live in that area and you want to go to a home with other uh, believers. And if you're not a believer, to watch this, call that number. There won't be any child care provided, but you can, uh, if the first 50 people who want to go to that home, I'm sure it's going to be a great event to watch Greg Glory. That's on Sunday night, August 26th. Check that out. They're going to be... What Greg Laurie is going to be doing is reaching out through all social media, all TV programs that they can, all radio programs, and try to reach out with the thing that he does at great stadiums to help people understand the Lord Jesus Christ. Also on, uh, going on down in Utah Valley, uh, a Christ-centered, Bible-based exposition on who Christ is. It's called Christ Life. It's going to be going on Friday, August 24th, Saturday, August 25th, and Sunday, August 26th at Provo Baptist Church. Provo Baptist Church. You can uh, look them up online, attend those things. They're going to, it's a conference schedule called Christ Life, and it is supposed to really be life changing. Hope you take advantage of that. Last week, I had the opportunity to travel to, and speak a few times in Arizona and in, Southern, in Northern California. Uh, I want to thank the Apologia Church in Tempe, Hope Point Nazarene Church in Yuba City, California, Calvary Chapel in Queen Creek, Arizona. Uh, lots of people out there wanting to hear the differences between Mormonism and Biblical Christianity. Our special thanks to Randall and Paula, Brad, John, who went out of the way to get these appointments set. Additionally, I had one young man, Silas, who wanted me to mention his name on the show. He even provided me with a picture of himself, which I have misplaced. Sorry, Silas. But I want to say, uh, Silas, stay close to the Lord. Stay close to your wonderful parents and to your brothers Solomon and Seth. Well, it seems the LDS through their prophet, seer, and revelator, like unto Moses, Thomas S. Monson, his 
birthday party last week, 85th birthday party. An article, article by Lisa Schninker covered it in the Salt Lake Trib, and the headline read, Broadway Hits Stars Phil Monson Celebration. For the 85-year-old prophet who's likened to Moses, he's known mostly for going and opening up his $5.3 billion mall by cutting the ribbon and saying, let's go shopping. They had a gala 85-year-old birthday party for the man. I guess 21,000 people were in attendance. And the article opens up with one line. One might have mistaken it for a Broadway show. I believe it. I believe that completely. The article went on to describe both the extravaganza and the life of the LDS prophet, who's a prophet like unto Moses. And it brings out things that, says things that Thomas Monson didn't take the stand or speak at the event, but instead watch from the audience. At the end of the event, a short pre-recorded video of the LDS prophet thanking everybody for the celebration played. Uh, it's been rumored all about Salt Lake. I've heard it for several months now that uh, Thomas Monson is suffering from Alzheimer's. That uh, is a disease that can hit anybody at any time, so I don't, I don't lay that on him as like it's something connected to him being the prophet. But it will be interesting to see how he leads and guides the LDS church if he is suffering from that horrible disease. Anyway, the event hosts were Jane Clausen Johnson, National Network News anchor and author, Steve Young, former Sa uh, San Francisco 49ers star quarterback. So they have all the stars. They're really big on the stars. And I guess there was all kinds of Brigadoon, Phantom of the Opera, Les Miserables, Cats, Annie were played at the birthday party. These must be his favorite numbers. And uh, it says here that Monson has seen Annie performed in 11 languages around the world. Just fantastic. Uh, another uh, apostle, uh, prophet, seer, and revelator apostle, Jeffrey Holland, he's an apostle likened to Peter, James, and John, he said about Monson, he has set a lofty goal for all of us who try to follow along in his footsteps. Indeed, he has, Elder Holland. I mean, seen Annie performed in 11 different languages. That is something to behold. Uh, but he, there must be something to that show, too, because if you, if you think of it, tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you, tomorrow, the only day away. And so you have that. And then to the rescue, to the rescue, his book, To the Rescue, has Mighty Mouse, who says, here I come to save the day. So you have day, and you have away, and it's the same thing. It's the theme. Okay. How about a moment from the word? How I go into the word, I don't know. One. Uh, we left off last uh, week in John 13, and G G they're now sitting, we left off in John 12, they're now in John 13, and we're now sitting at the last uh, supper table. Judas has left to, be to betray the Lord, and amidst conversation, Jesus says in John 13, 34, 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Now, we have to remember that Jesus is saying this to his chosen 11 there. 
and he's telling them how to behave and interact with each other so that the world would say, boy, these guys must truly be disciples of Jesus who went to the grave and then ascended into heaven. Each week we get at least one email of somebody instructing us on love, loving one another, and of course my lack of it. Uh, I would suggest that more and more true Christians, unafraid to speak the truth relative to sound biblical doctrine, will paradoxically in this day and age be labeled haters, um, while those who are willing to marginalize Christ and Christianity and the Bible will be known more as being loving. Uh, I received this email last week from a man whose email, return email address is Christ now and forever. This is what he said, quote, because of your hatred of the Mormons and Mormon beliefs, as shown on your videos, you have not done what Christ has commanded you to do, to love your enemy. You have a lot to repent of. I will call you to repentance, Sean, as a believer in Christ. I command you to repent. Show a more Christ-like manner because that's what he wants you to do if you really have faith in Christ. Your salvation will be in jeopardy and your faith in Christ will also be in jeopardy if you don't follow Christ. It's not enough just to believe. It's not enough just to know that Christ has justified you or sanctified you by his blood. You have to accept and show that Christ has not suffered in vain for you. You have to repent. Calm down now. It's good for your physical heart. I'll pray to your Jesus that you will realize that you will repent of this sin and hatred and enough of this Mormon bashing, why fight against Jesus Christ? I realize that this is a horse that we have beaten probably week in and week out for, I know we've done it for years. I honestly believe that the errant application of love is going to serve um, as the modus operandi for people to attack Christians in the near future. I certainly am convinced that in the near future and out into the far future, Christians are going to be persecuted for not being loving. Um, in other words, people willing to marginalize the word of God will be hailed as loving and people not willing to marginalize the word of God will be hailed as haters, as I said that. From my perspective, there are two very large groups in our society today, in American society, that are really big on throwing out the hate card and the love card, the uh, homosexual community at large, and the uh, apologetic Mormon community. Both of those communities, ironically, are always saying you're not being loving. You're not being loving. Let me be clear, I'm not anti-homosexual individual any more than I'm anti-Mormon individual. Uh, I love both types of individuals equally, and because, did you hear that? Because, I love both types equally. I speak truth to them. And that's what Christians do. The most unloving thing we could do with the individual homosexual is to say homosexuality is not a sin. The most unloving thing we could do to a Mormon is to say your belief system is fine with God and his word. And conversely, the most loving thing we can do is take every opportunity and every legal way, method, to help these people groups understand the truth and their precarious position before God, uh, and then to introduce them to his only son. That is, that is how it is working. The commandment Jesus gave to love each other here in John was to his disciples. Uh, in reaching out to non-believers, 
Agape love is sometimes painful. Agape love to non-believers and people who are errant is sometimes viewed as, as not nice. And it is nice. It's like pulling people from a fire. You got to do it sometimes quick, sometimes violently, but you got to do it. I am personally not afraid of being called a hater, but I do worry about more and more of my brothers and sisters who cave under pressure and uh, not realizing that popular opinion is the greatest lie in the world. Uh, and with that, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we seek you, love you, and need you. We pray for our volunteers wherever and whatever they are doing. We pray for those who support the ministry uh, in prayer and volunteerism. Uh, financially, we pray for those who are seeking truth in the audience today. Lord, we love you and need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Turning back to the contents of the Book of Mormon, we are going to continue to examine more evidences that the book is the work of man and not the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In 1999, Signature Books published a book titled Inside the Mind of Joseph Smith, Psychobiography and the Book of Mormon by psychiatrist Robert D. Anderson. Now in the book, Anderson makes the point that Joseph Smith pulled uh, subconsciously from his own life and included those parallels in the Book of Mormon. And I would agree that some of the elements of the Book of Mormon are probably founded on Joseph Smith's own uh, personal life. For example, here are some of the proposed autobiographical elements in the Book of Mormon that Anderson talks about. Joseph Smith was born the fourth child in the uh, Smith family, and Nephi was the fourth-born child. Joseph had a sibling named Samuel. Nephi had a sibling named Samuel. One of the Smith children is named Joseph, of course, and one of Lehi's children is named Joseph. Joseph was taken south to Palmyra, New York by his father at age 11, and Mormon in the Book of Mormon carried uh, south, was carried south by his father to Zarahemla at the age of 11. Joseph claims he was visited of the Lord in his 15th year. And in the Book of Mormon, Mormon claims he was visited of the Lord at age 15. Joseph Smith begins, began searching for hidden treasures in the earth. And the Book of Mormon, they began to bury hidden treasures in the earth. Joseph Smith began using sorcery and magic practices in his life, and sorceries and magic practices began to occur in Book of Mormon lands. Joseph was unsuccessful in, re in retrieving buried treasures in his folk magic practices, and treasures in the Book of Mormon became slippery so that they couldn't be retained or held. Only one member of a neighboring family of Joseph Smith's, the Stoll family, believed that Joseph had supernatural powers, while none of the Lewises did, and only one of the Book of Mormon and uh, Malachites believed the Book of Mormon character Aaron had supernatural powers, while none of the Amulonites did. Ethan Smith is the author of a book that precedes and resembles Joseph's Book of Mormon. And Ether is the author of a book resembling and preceding Mormon's abridgment of the Nephite records. By the way, notice that Ethan Smith and Ether are very similar uh, in their names. It's E-T-H, and it's just an E-R or an A-N, and so that parallel is really interesting. The anti-Masonic uh, sentiments start to gain 
prominence in Joseph Smith's life, home state, and anti-secret combination sentiments began to get prominence in his Book of Mormon. Now, we've mentioned a book by Dr. Moraine, and it's called uh, The Sword of Laban, the Joseph Smith and the Disassociative disassociative mind. I highly recommend it. You can get it at utlm.org. But one of the proofs that Joseph's book was both autobiographical and that it did, co- did not come by way of inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the human vanity found in the book. A vanity that is not found in the Bible. Uh, now, in the Bible, the word I, me, words I, me, and myself are used, but they're used appropriately. For example, in the epistles of Paul, I, me, and myself are used more because Paul was writing letters to acquaintances or people in a different area. They were personal letters, and so those words were used. But in the Gospels, I, me, and myself are used by the Lord mostly, and rarely by Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Looking at the Old Testament, rarely do the writers of the books refer to themselves as I, me, or myself, uh, but those terms are always reserved for the Lord. For example, I is used 301 times in the book of Isaiah, and me is used 134 times, but 97% of those usages is, uh, uh, was God using them and applying them to himself. You see, even the first book of the Old Testament, in the beginning, God. So we have this kind of language that's in the book, that's in the Bible, that is all couched around God, God, God. And any references to the person are very rare, all right? But when we look at the first verse of the Book of Mormon, I would suggest that we are not only to see an autobiographical hand of Joseph Smith writ large, but we are also to see the vanity present within that man who called himself a prophet of God, like unto Moses. I mean, uh, just look and listen to the first verse in the Book of Mormon. You ready? I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, Therefore I was taught somewhat in the learning of my father, and having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, nevertheless having been highly favored of the Lord in all my days, yea, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and mysteries of God, therefore I make a record in the language of my father." which consists in the language of the Jews and the language of the Egyptians. And I know that the record which I make is true. Sounds like a testimony, doesn't it? And I make it with mine own hand. And I make it according to my knowledge. I mean, it just drips of this vanity uh, that is uh, there in the Book of Mormon. And this self-focus permeates active members, many active members of the LDS. It's all about me. It's all about progressing. It's all about becoming God. That's why you don't hear Jesus, that name Jesus, worshipped and mentioned in the Mormon church because it's about men. In addition to the autobiographical slant, we're going to now proceed through the Book of Mormon, and I'm going to just point out passages that are of interest as we get through them. And um, let's start with 1 Nephi chapter 1. Here, the prophet, like unto Moses, Lehi, says, He thought he saw God, a ton of angels, Jesus, and the twelve apostles of Jesus, 600 years before Jesus was born. Then in verse 11, 
God, Jesus, the apostles, a host of angels, came down to, from heaven to earth and gave Lehi, the prophet Lehi, a book to read. I mean, even Moses didn't see Jesus and the 12 appearing to him. And God didn't give Moses a book. He, had him, he gave him two tablets. But these guys are outdoing the Bible, giving him a book. And he's seeing the whole panoply of Christian history out before him 600 years before it happens. According to 1 Nephi 2, 5 through 6, Lehi took his family into the wilderness. Joseph has the Book of Mormon say that the family covered an area of 250 miles in three days. Now, I want you to understand, 250 miles in three days, a man who can walk really fast on flat terrain can probably cover in 12 hours a day for three days 100 miles. This is a family with their belongings leaving Jerusalem and they covered, according to the Book of Mormon, 250 days in a three-day period. Um, but apparently Lehi and his family left Jerusalem in haste because once they got to where they wanted to be, uh, they had to have these brass plates that were in the possession of a man named Laban. And so God commands Lehi to send his sons back to Jerusalem. That's a 500-mile round-trip journey that they have to go back to pick up the brass plates that they forgot. Once they arrived, 1 Nephi 4, 10 through 14 says that after a whole bunch of attempts to get these plates, the Holy Spirit constrained Nephi to murder a man, this man named Laban as he laid passed out from drinking. And it took three commands from the Holy Spirit, that's very ma folklore magic, three commands to command the Spirit to get uh, Nephi to kill Laban. And in the end, the spirit justifies the murder by saying it's better that one person perish than a whole nation dwindles in unbelief. That's the end of the quote. Now, some people might respond by saying, well, in the Old Testament, God had the children of Israel kill the Canaanites. But there's a great distinction between the Canaanites, uh, between a man killing uh, an individual man who is drunk and out and murdering him for a material possession versus the Canaanites uh, being wiped out by the children of Israel as a, as a picture for God's wrath upon evil because the Canaanites were sacrificing their children to idols and doing every other kind of abomination. So we have a very different picture when we try to make those parallels. After uh, Nephi cut off Laban's head, by the way, uh, he puts on Laban's clothes, it says, blood gushing from carotid arteries, I'm guessing, and he puts on Laban's uh, armor, it says. Clothes and armor. Now I realize that it's possible that Laban could have been passed out drunk in the middle of the night, it was nighttime, uh, wearing armor, but I would more imagine that he was probably in his normal clothes and he was out with his friends at a party and he would have been in robes or something. But no, he's wearing armor. This is from the mind of a juvenile writer. You gotta understand, he's making it so, you know, from the things he's read as a kid and heard. Anyway, dressed in Laban's clothing armor, Nephi goes into this uh, treasury of the man Laban whose head he just cut off, and he speaks to the servants, and he says, give me these brass plates, and he speaks to them in Laban's voice. He magically is able to, I don't think he's, I don't know, he's magically able to speak in the tone of Laban, and the servant believes that it is Laban. 
So they give him the brass plates. And while they're walking out, Nephi, dressed as Laban, speaking in Laban's voice, tells one of the servants, hey, come along with me, Zoram, and let's go out and see the brethren. Now, so First uh, Nephi 4.22 says that this servant believed that, and the Book of Mormon actually says this, the servant believed that they were going to see some brethren from the church. That's what the Book of Mormon says, 1 Nephi, chapter 4, that they believed they were going out to see some brethren from the church. 600 B.C., Reformed Egyptian language. Church does not exist. That term does not exist anywhere. Even to say synagogue would not exist at that point in time. Synagogues weren't established until after the Babylonian captivity. So this is a total anachronistic thing. And so Joseph doesn't know that. So he includes in the very first chapter of the Book of Mormon that these guys are walking out. And he goes, hey, let's go out, and the, and, uh, let's go out here beyond the, uh, where the treasury is. And the servant believed that they were going to go out and talk to some of the guys at the church. It's unbelievable. Okay? And, uh, but the servant follows Nephi. And long story short, they return to their parents, 400 uh, kilometers, 250 miles back. And uh, it was so old hat by this time, Nephi doesn't even mention anything about the journey. They get there, once back, the brass plates, Lehi reads, and he learns, Father Lehi learns, I am from the descendant of Joseph. And he's so inspired, the Book of Mormon says, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, 600 years before Christ, no man is filled with the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because nobody is ever filled with the Holy Spirit until after Jesus came and atoned for sin. They could have the Holy Spirit work upon them. They could be guided by the Holy Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit, but filled by the Holy Spirit, absolutely impossible because only the blood of Jesus can clean the heart of a man. Sacrifice of goats and sheep would not do it. That was atonement. That was covering, but it didn't actually cure the human heart where the Holy Spirit would move in, you see? And so that is a really bad mistake uh, theologically in the Book of Mormon. Anyway, supposedly being spirit-filled, uh, Father Lehi prophesies that the brass plates that he, they went and got would never perish and would never dim by age. I have long said on the program and in our ministry, forget the golden plates. They were supposedly taken up by an angel. But the brass plates are supposed to be somewhere because they're never supposed to perish and they're never supposed to dim by, by time. So I want to know where those brass plates are. God commands, again, Lehi to tell his sons to go back. Another 500 mile on foot journey, maybe donkeys, back to Jerusalem, but this time to get some women folk. So we don't have any complaining going on on the way out, according to the narrative, but on the way back, they get into all sorts of fight. And anyway, they arrive back and we're in chapter eight of first Nephi. And there uh, they, we learn of Lehi, Father Lehi had a dream. And in that dream, he had a dream of a big tree and rods and a river and a spacious building. This is a very same dream that Joseph Smith's father had years before Joseph Smith ever concocted the idea of a Book of Mormon. Latter-day Saints, hear me. The dream of the tree of life in the Book of Mormon in 1 Nephi chapter 8 is a replication of the very same dream Joseph Smith's own father used to tell his family that he had prior to the Book of Mormon being published. Don't believe me? Go to utlm.org, check out the facts. Just read about chapter 8, all right? Chapter 9, verse 2, of 1 Nephi. Nephi writes, one of the most divinely inspired passages you'll ever hear. Let me read it to you. It says, And now, as I have spoken concerning these plates, behold, they are not the plates 
upon which I make a full account of the history of my people. For the plates upon which I make my full account of my people, I have given the name of Nephi. Wherefore, they are the, called the plates of Nephi after mine own name. And these plates are also called the plates of Nephi. Inspiring! I just want to dig into that book. Long story short, we'll call them the plates of Nephi. Chapter 10, Nephi uh, prophesies uh, about Jesus' life and death. And uh, in chapter 11, as, to me, as a means to show Nephi that, uh, that ne as a means to, for Nephi to show his father that he's as much of a prophet, he receives all the same visions. And he sees uh, a vision of a white virgin. How he knew he, she was a virgin uh, by the vision, I don't know, but she was white. And white plays, a, exceedingly white, plays a very important part in the Book of Mormon. Jesus is described as exceedingly white. Garments are made exceedingly white. Delicious fruits are always exceedingly white when they come from God. And of course, white skin tone is indicative of righteousness, while dark skin tone is indicative of evil. And then in chapter 12, Nephi, like Abraham of the Bible, is shown his seed. We're going to end with this quote. Now in uh, chapter 12, somehow Joseph branches off into seed imagery that surpasses the lab tests at a fertility clinic. I mean, he starts talking about seed like he can't believe. And we're going to give you an example. Just imagine this passage before you and you think this is better than the Bible. You ready? Here we go. And while the angel spake these words, I beheld and saw that the seed of my brethren didn't contend against my seed according to the word of the angel. And because of the pride of my seed and the temptations of the devil, I beheld that the seed of my brethren did overpower the people of my seed. And it came to pass that I beheld and saw the people of the seed of my brethren that they had overcome my seed and they went forth in multitudes upon the face of this land. I feel pregnant after reading that. It's seed run amok. The Bible does not read like this, you guys. The Bible is the word of God full of gems and spiritual truths. This is the product of a guy writing a book and you're following it. We're going to continue on talking about nations that dwindle in unbelief, loathsome skin, etc. Next, uh, next week as we continue to uh, examine the Book of Mormon. Actually, it's going to be the week after because of an important announcement. Uh, let's open up the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801 801-973-8820. Uh, the Paul Wright video is ready. Let's take a look. He's going to be better live. He's going to be at uh, Burning Heart Saturday, September 1st, 3 to uh, 8 p.m. Join us there. Uh, our ability to, re to remain on the air is directly related to you, your support, your prayers, vitally important. Uh, volunteering, sharing the show with others financially, if you're in a position and if so, led by the Lord, all of it so greatly appreciated. I can't personally thank uh, you enough for your sacrifices and your willing hearts. For more information about the ministry, go to www.hotm.tv. Uh, while we're waiting on calls, we're going to get to uh, Johnny and Taylorsville in a second. 
Uh, I want to announce that next week we're going to have a special guest. My dear friend RJR was going through uh, a, a Sam's Club here in Salt Lake and he came across this book and a man selling this book. It's, the book is called It's True, An Evangelical Pastor's Journey to Truth in the Mormon Church. An Evangelical Pastor's Journey to Truth in the Mormon Church. The guy's name is Tom Scott, and uh, uh, my friend RJR read through this book. I guess I'm going to have to now, because next week we are going to have Tom Scott on the program. Uh, I called his booking agent, and she agreed that he would love to be on the show. So we are going to have a man who supposedly was, cut his teeth as a Nazarene. He calls himself an evangelical pastor. He uh, says in this book a number of things that are really interesting, like... Uh, that the LDS people are indeed Christian and the precepts they teach are true. This is what it says. So it's going to be a really engaging program to be able to sit down with a guy and be able to talk to him about this stuff. And I, I can't tell you how much I look forward to this opportunity. Uh, so look forward to that next week as we, uh, as we interview the man, Tom Scott, once an evangelical pastor. He's now making the book tour rounds. I don't know how he's able to do it, but he goes to all the Costco's and all the Sam's Clubs, and he sits there and he's selling a book to all the people that's called It's True. And he tells his story about being an evangelical to discovering the real truth in Mormonism. I, I, I cannot, I have, we usually don't have any guests on the show, uh, but this one I'm really looking forward to. Okay. So let's uh, open up the phone lines. We are going to Johnny in Taylorsville on line one. Line one's not lit up. Johnny, are you there? Yes. You're on the air, my friend. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. You're on the air. Okay. My question is, uh, I believe Mormons believe that when you die, you will know all of your relatives and friends in heaven, and they will recognize you also. Yeah. Uh, my question is, as a Christian, I was baptized into the Church of Christ in Texas back when I was 17. And my question is, what about the people who we love and hold dearly that uh, just refuse to become Christians? Will we know that they are in another celestial body or someplace suffering? Uh, there's at least four, maybe five uh, places in Scripture that says that we will remember uh, Anybody who is not there, no more. What happens to them, uh, what happens to people who are not in heaven is people have gone to hell. And we won't remember people who are in hell. And that's what scripture says. I believe it. And I don't know how it works, but that's, that's what the word of God teaches us. Okay. That's, I've heard that before, but I wanted to, I really respect you and your opinion. So I wanted to get to what you would say about that. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, that's pretty much the standard uh, stance on, from the Bible, my brother. Okay. God bless you. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to John in Lincoln, Nebraska. John, you're on Heart of the Matter. John? Johnny? Hello? You're on the... Oh, hold on one second. Line three? says two on the thing. Hold on one second. Putting this person on hold and going to line three. John, I'm, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, hey, Sean. How are you doing? This is John from Lincoln. I'm the fellow who called you a roaring sea lion, if you remember. I don't remember, but it sounds wonderful. 
<laughs> anyway, I think your, uh, your program must be monitored because ever since I called in, the, the, the young men I'd seen for 12 times, the missionaries, well, they didn't show up anymore, and I haven't seen them since. So I must have been uh, spotted, I guess, calling in. I guess. Um, but anyway, I want to know whether you have read a very recently published book by Robert Rittner, called The Joseph Smith Egyptian Papyri, A Complete Edition. No. Well, you have to get this. It's astounding. It is the first full translation of the so-called Joseph Smith Egyptian Papyri. Wow. It is, it is scholarly and thorough, and it really puts the very last nail into the coffin of the Book of Abraham as scripture. Do us a favor, I'll, John. Say the name one more time. Yes. The name of the author is Robert K. Rittner, that's R-I-T-N-E-R, -E and the title of the book is The Joseph Smith Egyptian Papyri, A Complete Edition. It's published, uh, let's see here, I'm looking it on, you can find it on the internet pretty easily, um, and it was published just last year, and it, it's scholarly and complete. They have all of Nibley in there, too, just to show, you know, what he was doing and covering up. Excellent. Just if, if, if you have a mind to think with, it'll just blow the whole thing out of the water. So just wanted to recommend that to you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and the, the follow-up question on that is, um, do you know whatever happened to, uh, to Mr. Berger, John David, or David John Berger? He, uh, he wrote on the Adam-God Doctrine. He published in Dialogue, a journal of Mormon thought. And uh, after a while, I, he was a Mormon, and I think after he discovered that the whole thing was made up, he quietly left, and I'm wondering what happened to him. I did write to Sandra Tanner about him, but she's lost track of him too. Do you happen to know what happened to him? No idea. And you went to the right source. If anybody would know, it would probably be Sandra. Oh, yeah, no, I wrote to her a letter by hand, and she wrote one back. back by hand? Oh, that's it. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I wanted to say for tonight, and thank you for the work that you do. Thank you, John. Love your accent. All right, I love yours, too. Bye-bye now. Thanks, bye. I have one? <laughs> hey, let's go to Jessica, Salt Lake City, first-time caller. Jessica, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, Jessica, you're on the air. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yes, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I just had a question for you. Mm-hmm. So, you are Christian, correct? Yes. You believe in Christ and everything he taught? I try, yes. I try to learn and understand, yes. Good. We all, we all should. But I, I don't understand how you feel the need to bash other people's religions and to try to point out flaws in other people's religions, because if you look at all religion over time, everybody has had, you know, sin in their religion, and everybody has had error with their leaders, and, you know, no one is above that. But I believe that every religion... You know, no matter what it is, if, if it points you to divine help, if it points you to become a better person and to better your life, then what's wrong with it? You know, okay. All right, I got your point. So let's dialogue here. If, you're, if you, you made your point, now let me ask you a couple questions. Do you believe that Jesus is necessary to go to heaven? Do I believe that I need to believe in Jesus to go to heaven? Yes. 
No, I believe that I need to believe in God's laws. I need to believe in Jesus' laws. I need to live higher than what is in this world because if you look at the destruction and the... Okay, you don't need to preach about all the destruction. I'm just asking you a question. And so you well, don't... I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need to live above the world in order to go to heaven. How can you live above the world? How, I mean, how do you do that? Well, you, it's the same way as, you know, if you see somebody doing something wrong, you have to you know, intervene, whether it's an old woman getting mugged or, you know, something bad that's happening. What about, a little forget about the old woman. What about your own sin? What do you do with that? My own sin? Yeah, what do you do with your own sin? Just every day I try to become a better person. It doesn't every, matter. That's not I, the question. I've made many mistakes. I, I know you did. I don't ask about the good things you do. I want to know what you do with your sin. What do you do with the times that you've lied? What do you do with the times that you've screwed your neighbor over? What do you do the times when you lust? What do you do the times with all that? What do you do with that stuff if Jesus is not necessary? Well, Jesus is very necessary. Without him, I cannot be forgiven for my sins. But oh. if I ever do make a mistake, I rectify it and I change my ways. And the definition of insanity is to keep living the same way. Thank as you doing for that definition. Listen, again. listen the, the, let me, I want to understand. So you're saying Jesus is necessary in order to go to heaven after this life, or you're saying he's not? No, he is. The LDS religion believes that. Do you believe it? Yes, I believe it. Okay. So, in what way is Jesus necessary? Because he atoned for my sins. He sacrificed himself, and he taught us all higher laws that we need to live by. Okay, and what is the higher law he taught? Well, this, why are you asking me? You know this. What's the hi I'm asking you because you... believe the same thing. What's both? the higher law he taught? What? What's the higher law Jesus taught? Everything that he taught when he came down, when he sat and had the meals and everything that he taught about being nice to people, not to commit adultery. I mean, he just branched off of what Moses taught, and he taught more. Okay, and so let me ask you something. Did he teach about going into temples and getting endowments and being married for eternity? No, he didn't say that, but he knew that when he taught things that more religions would come to pass and that, you know, it would, it would, you know, it would bring about more things. But where do you think that you're being Christ-like to, you know, bash other people's religion? Well, Jesus did it all the time, Jessica. No, he didn't. He okay, didn't. Can I read something to you? This is, from, this is from his Bible, Matthew 23. And Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. And then he goes on, he calls them liars, blind, fools. He calls them doing corrupt things, though. If you go to Matthew and you read that chapter, they were doing corrupt things. That's why he says that. Oh, Mormonism doesn't... Well, wait, 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 no, no, stay on it. So you to Barbara Walters' interview... Wait, wait, you're saying Jesus... Church, wait, you're saying... And investigate. Wait, you're saying Jesus... Only church... Wait, they, wait, wait, you're saying Jesus then did... Jesus did call people out on things if they were doing things wrong? That's when they were being corrupt. What okay. is the LDS religion doing that is corrupt that causes you... Oh! Oh, I see. What is the LDS religion doing that's corrupt? So, okay, well, how about that they, uh, let's see, make people go to the temple, make them pay tithing in order to get... We don't money? make anyone do that. We all do it of our own free will. No, you don't. Listen, no, 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 listen. If they teach, 
If they put the gun to anyone's head they, and make yeah, them Of course they don't it. put a gun to anyone's head, but if well, they teach, okay, well, people, money goes, okay. it has the never, ever, ever been the in the wrong place. Put a gun to anyone's head. The Pharisees didn't hold a gun to anyone's head. Jesus is correct, correcting them. So what's your point? Because you don't make somebody. Our tithing goes to good use. Why we pay it? and they find nothing wrong. What do you mean nothing wrong? We've spent 360 hour-long shows showing how off Mormonism is to the Bible, and you're sitting here tonight saying there is absolutely nothing wrong. Nothing. What about Mountain Meadows? Let's just go to something easy. What about your polygamy with Joseph? It's a matter of opinion of when you read it. No, no, what do you mean how I read it? Your history shows. that God has given us another book that we can go by. No, 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 no. let's What's wrong with let's that? Why, why do you feel that we're wrong? Okay, why I'll shut up. You have to make a show about it. I do make a show about it because I was you for 40 years and I understand how deluded you are. You see, you're sitting here defending something. You don't even know the doctrine. You think you do, and you're spouting that we just need to love like Jesus did. I show you that Jesus called people on the carpet for false doctrine, and now you're trying to back up saying there is nothing wrong in Mormonism. What is wrong with you? How could you say there is nothing wrong in Mormonism? Because I believe that there's nothing wrong with your religion. I believe there's nothing wrong with any religion. You're a fool. I believe that to err is human. It's human nature to make mistakes, and if there's anything that you've ever felt wrong about the LDS, it was probably something wrong that a person did. No, it's that nothing not wrong that a person did. Don't believe it's wrong or how we live our lives is listen, wrong. Okay, you're regurgitating. Any other? No, let me listen, ask you this. You are regurgitating. The other TV shows where they bash listen, other religions? Listen, you're regurgitating what you've been There's no TV shows where they bash a religion. I don't care about TV shows or not. What's no I'm not going to make this about me. religion is the true church, and the adversary is trying to make everyone disagree with it. Okay, let me ask you some questions then. A TV show dedicated to it. There is a TV show dedicated to it. Let me ask you. And there is no other religion, none. Let me ask. I don't care if anyone else does this, Jessica. You act like I care that like that means I'm wrong. This uh, I'm not really saying it for okay, you. Just I'm listen to me for a second. You are so that it can open their eyes. Just just listen to me for a second, please. Jesus came. He laid out his truths, and Mormonism is it's not an opinion of mine. Every single Christian leader who reads the Bible will say Mormon doctrine is not Christianity. I'm not making this up. What do they all see, Jessica? What do I see and our viewers see that you are not seeing? What are we missing? Well, it, it doesn't matter what other people say, because if you ask any LDS member, they are going to say they believe in Christ fully and that we are called the LDS saints, the Church of Jesus Okay, Christ. I know you're called that. The, the devils believe, you see. Who was Jesus Christ then? Let's go to that. Who was he, Jessica? I love Jesus Christ, and I oh, have many. Do. Who was he, Jessica? My home. Jessica, who was Jesus Christ? He was the man who saved my soul from going to hell. Was he created? Very imperfect, and was I have he lived created? many different lives where I live differently, and I have studied many religions. I don't care about your soul. Him, was he I created? Was he a created being by Heavenly Father and his wives in heaven? I, I can't hear you when you yell. Was he created? Is Jesus a created being? Well, yes, every spirit is created, just the same as plants, animals. Every spirit is so created. So Jesus is a spirit that was created, okay? 
Right. Everything has been created by God. Everything is... Is Jesus God? What? Is Jesus God? No, they're two different beings. Okay. And, and did Jesus suffer on the cross for sin, or did he suffer someplace else? No, he suffered on the cross for our sins. Okay, that's not true in Mormon doctrine, but it's okay. Let me ask you, did, did Jesus, was he conceived of, uh, of the Holy Spirit, or was he conceived of a Heavenly Father? Well, it's, he was conceived from Heavenly Father because he made his spirit. Okay, Heavenly Father has a body of flesh and bone. How did Heavenly Father conceive Jesus in Mary, also of flesh and bone? It, I, I don't, it's not I for my don't. human mind to understand that. When my spirit is written out, wherever I am sent, I understand it. Written out. You see, here's the thing. Jessica, you say, you ask any Latter-day Saint, they say, we believe in Jesus Christ. But you believe in a Jesus Christ that is not described in the Bible. You believe in one who was created by intelligences and that he's your spirit brother. And he's my spirit brother. You believe a Jesus who was conceived by a father. Luke says he was conceived by the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. You believe in a Jesus who suffered for sins in the garden when the Bible actually speaks completely contrary to that. You believe in a Jesus who was not God. Every Christian on earth... Who, Every You're getting Christ stuck on little technical words. Little technical? Holy Spirit. These, how are these little technical? These are... This is, Holy Spirit and God. You Maybe have just... The many times it was translated from the many different languages. Oh, they so were you're going to attack the Bible now. You're going to attack the Bible now. See, this is the problem with Mormonism. You, see you have believed one man's version, Jessica. You have believed one guy. He produced 97% of your doctrine. One man, Joseph. You believe him. It's and not everything 97 he says, of our doctrine. We read the Bible and quote the Bible you read the, every It doesn't matter what you read and quote. The devil, Satan quotes the Bible too. You don't quote it in context. You are not quoting it in context. You do not know the Bible and you worship a false Jesus. You just showed our audience that. Now listen, my heart breaks for you because you are, I, I can hear your passion. I know you're angry at me. I know you angry think, at you. Okay, well, I know you're upset. You're a passionate person, but okay. I'm not angry at okay, you at all. You're not angry. Fine. It's wrong to be angry as a lot of whatever. Listen, Jessica, Jessica, why don't you do yourself one favor? One favor. Go to utlm.org. They use your writings to show you what you believe utlm.org and you read what your prophets and apostles have said not from me read what they have said do yourself a favor if i am wrong i will give you everything i've got which is not much but i'll give you everything house well, I car everything if i'm wrong because you're going to read on there I'm, Jessica. I'm not saying you're wrong can you listen no i can't listen because i've been in your shoes you are a universalist humanist Mormon. You think all roads lead, but Mormon is just one variation of good. You don't understand what Jesus did for you. And so I don't listen when I get into rhetorical discussions like this with people who don't know. I'm just asking you, go get armed first and then come back, okay? Please? If, if somebody has ever done anything wrong that has been in the church to err as human. I understand that. We're not looking for perfect people. They think right. they're perfect. What, they what strive is for, for, for perfection. I'm not striving for perfection. People have made mistakes. I'm not blaming people. It's not religion. people. But when your prophets... What I follow, I follow Jesus. When your prophets speak, when your prophets speak, they're speaking for God, Jessica. 
When your prophets speak, they're speaking for God. You can't change the rules of Mormon if you're going to call and represent Mormonism. And you are. You're changing the rules. Your prophets and apostles speak for God and have. Go read what they have said, Jessica. I'm not changing any rules. For me to follow what everybody else says and say that I have to believe exactly what everyone else says and not feel, you know, divine intervention and divine spirit from heaven, well, that would make me a fool to believe what everyone tells me. Then you're not a Mormon. You shouldn't have a temple recommend. You shouldn't have a temple recommend. You are calling and representing your version of Mormonism, you see? And that's easy to do. Oh, no, anybody, anybody can call. Version of Mormonism. No, I'm not. I want everyone else to believe it. I'm representing the doctrinal version of Mormonism, you see, and that's why you're upset. You think I'm, I'm, I'm just making things up. I'm giving you doctrine. I'm not upset. You're portraying Mormonism the way you want it. No, I'm portraying it according to its I want doctrine. everyone to follow you. No, I don't want anyone to follow me. I am portraying. How does that make you I am, different? I am portraying Mormonism's doctrine. You are portraying Mormonism in the way you want to see it. Do you see the difference? No, I don't. I know you don't. And we're going to end the call with that. Okay. Uh, I hope she looks it up. You know, uh, we're not going to go to Chad and Brigham City. We're out of time. But that was a very good call. Pray for Jessica that she will go to UTLM and she will look up and understand what we're doing and why we do it. And that Mormonism is not Christian in any sense of the word. Every now and then people will ask me if I was ever LDS. Uh, I was 40 years, Latter-day Saint, active, faithful, uh, did everything in the best of my ability. And I realized Mormonism could not change my heart. I had a wicked heart. And so uh, I, I came to a roadside experience and the Lord changed my heart. And from that point forward, everything's been different. And we do this show to compare and contrast Mormonism and Mormon's doctrine. I don't, the individual ideas are a billion. Mormon doctrine and their teachings with biblical Christianity and what the Bible says. That is the point of the show. And, you know, I got to tell you, frankly, my heart is not to do this show. Sometimes I just dread having to do this program. I do it because this is the call on my life. It's what I have been uh, equipped to do. But my heart is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. My heart is to talk only about Jesus. My heart is to share him and his word, to teach him. I am a pastor teacher. That's why I teach on Sundays. That's my heart, heart of hearts. This is tough, but I do it because it helps us to help other people understand who he is in this community. And that's the call. I hope we all understand that. We try to do it in love. God bless you. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.